Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you are. Uh, this is the second time I go live on this channel, and I'm very happy about the experience. Uh, the first episode, we went live last week, and we talked about being a self-taught software engineer. That was a great, uh, great episode. We got a lot of awesome questions, and I'm hoping that this episode will be the same. We will get a lot of uh, different interesting things uh, from the audience and from whoever is watching. Um, whoever has joined me today, thank you very much for doing so. For whoever is watching the, the recording after uh, the live has ended, also thank you very much for your support. Um, in today's session, we're going to be talking about toxic engineering cultures or toxic work cultures in general. Uh, and I say engineering because, uh, well, I work in software engineering or software development, whatever you want to call it, and my experience has been in this domain. Um, Toxic cultures are very, I'm not going to say dominant, but they are pretty much everywhere. No matter where you are in the world, no matter which country you live in or you work in, uh, there are different companies that do things differently. And throughout your career and your journey in this, uh, in this field, you're going to experience the really good companies, really good cultures, and the really bad ones and really horrible ones. And I personally, throughout my journey, have been in sort of both um and i want to share with the people who are starting on their careers and even people who are who had the lengthy careers i want to share with you what both ends of the spectrum look like so that you understand that options exist and it's very important for you to be aware of this because for a lot of time in my career i felt like this is the only way things could be and this is, and when I say the only way, I mean the bad stuff. Uh, you could easily feel stuck. You could easily feel suffocated. You could easily feel that this is the, the only way the world is run or companies are run. And uh, it's easy to feel that um, you, these bad practices that are happening are the norm. And then the problem becomes uh, that you start picking up these bad practices and then replicating those and then perpetuating the problem uh, without you know, fixing, uh, fixing these uh, bad, bad behaviors or bad practices. And it's not necessarily out of malice or because people are evil or they are bad by nature, but it's because a lot of times it's because of lack of awareness and also lack of proper training. Being good managers is not necessarily just about having some time in the field or seniority in terms of time in the domain. Um, being good managers and good leaders requires conscious efforts towards achieving desired outcomes and results. And this is what I want to talk about today uh, in detail. Uh, I think um, it's inevitable for companies to go through different journeys. And a company could also be in a good state where they have a good culture at a certain size. And maybe, maybe when they start growing and adding more people, the culture will morph. At the end of the day, the culture is not something that someone defines. It's, it's the result of all the interactions of whoever works at the company that, uh, you know, or in, the, in, the, in the group or in the field where a bunch of people are working. A culture is born. It's an emerging property. It's not something that you just infuse into a community of people, right? Uh, you can definitely do things to help certain behaviors emerge but you cannot really define the culture of a company. So first of all, let's start by defining what is a toxic culture? How does it look like? 
what are the signs of it and what how does it manifest right and the first thing i want to talk about is top-down decision making uh in a lot of companies and enterprises that have sort of a where engineers are not, let's say, happy with the work that they're doing. And happy is a very big word because no one's really continuously happy. Uh, but I'm just saying, let's say satisfied, satisfied in the work that they do and that the satisfaction rates are, let's say, above average, okay? Um, top-down decision-making does not help with that. And what is top-down decision-making? It's basically when leadership makes decisions without consulting anyone from the from the different levels of the hierarchy, and that just imposes these decisions top down, and then does not give a choice to the to whoever is working in that hierarchy to influence that decision in any way, shape, or form, to even formulate an opinion about it, and then basically the outcome is an ultimatum: take it or leave it. Uh, there's really no other scenario. This is what we decided. This is what we think is best for the whole group. Um, this is how it's going to be. You either do it our way or take the highway, go find another job. Um, unfortunately, a lot of enterprises are guilty of this, irrespective of the size. Of course, uh, companies that take care of their people, they try to avoid this approach because agency is very important. Yes, we are employees in a larger uh, company. Yes, we take our salaries from a certain company, but we did not sell our soul right to that company. And it's very important to feel that we are sort of in control of what is happening to us on a day-to-day -day basis. I think a lot of the satisfaction comes from, satisfaction at work, of course, comes from having the ability or a sense of autonomy when it comes to how we work and how we, uh, and I'm not saying that everyone should do whatever they feel like doing that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm trying to say is people should feel like they have they can participate in the decision making process even if they're not always going to influence the outcomes to whatever they, suits their perspective but people need to feel that they are part of this whole uh you know uh journey they are part of the the whole process they have some sense of control and agency and 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 feel that they are able to decide what their future is going to look like, uh, even if it's not making all of the decisions. They, they, there needs to be some level of participation. So first of all, top-down decision-making is, is really horrible. Sometimes it's unavoidable, of course, but the more transparency you can have, the better, the more satisfaction your teams will have, and you really want to avoid... Um, making all the decisions behind closed doors, not consulting anyone prior to, and not even sharing uh, outcomes after decision-making is done. No transparency also falls into, into this line. Um, the next item is arbitrary deadlines. Uh, throughout my career, I've been faced with a lot of um, arbitrary deadlines coming out of nowhere. We need to build this uh, feature and ship it next week. Why next week? Nobody has an answer. Just some middle manager or maybe even a manager decided that this is the perfect time for us to ship. And this is when we want to make this available. And that's it. Everyone needs to fall into place. Everything needs to fall into place. We don't really care about um, what we can do, what we cannot do. What matters is that we need to ship this X feature and it needs to go out of the door by that arbitrary deadline. And that's really horrible because Arbitrary deadlines really help no one. 
you, the managers might feel that they are in control, but are they really? Because if we're not really doing a feasibility analysis, if we're not doing proper estimations, if we're not really thinking about what's going to happen, uh, building this feature, and if we're not really anticipating all the problems that might arise, the unknowns, all of the different factors that affect the software engineering process, what are we really doing? And then what's even worse is when we try to mask this arbitrary deadline setting with agile practices, as we call them. A lot of companies today adopt sprint, uh, uh, sorry, adopt um, uh, Scrum or different forms of what we call Agile. Um, Agile was born to break down this rigid process of software development. It, it was formed to just, you know, completely eradicate, and I'm not saying eradicate structure and processes. It was formed, I'm trying to say, is to, to make people and the, the, the engineering groups and teams more dynamic, much more effective, faster, without really having to go th blindly through different processes. And then we come with defining the different ceremonies of Scrum that are completely non-nudgeable. They, they can't change. And then on top of that, we start imposing arbitrary deadlines whereby we say, okay, we have this 10, 15, I don't know, whatever story points, and the team needs to ship 120 story points by the end of the sprint, which is two weeks. Why? <laughs> Who defined? these story points why is it even a metric to measure and then what's worse is that we start talking about analytics on top of the story points and start measuring the calculating numbers and evaluating the team members based on how many story points they complete per sprint and all of these ridiculous non-healthy non-productive ways now you will say basim okay great but how do we measure productivity of a team there's a lot of awesome research that's been done in this area Look up the DORA um, metrics and DORA analysis, for example, on, on uh, how productive teams uh, you, you know, do agile and, and what are the key performance indicators that they look at and what do they mean uh, and how do they reflect uh, team happiness, team satisfaction. I'm not going to call it happiness again. Sorry about the mistake. Um, how do they affect performance, overall performance of the team? How much fast do they ship? What do they ship? It's not just about shipping fast, but it's also about what do we ship? What's the quality of the ship? Uh, and, and did we really design things the way they should be, right? Again, arbitrary deadlines, help, they help no one. If you, have, if you impose a deadline on your team uh, that uh, you just woke up and thought about, this is an arbitrary deadline. It doesn't help. Uh, do your analysis with the team. Come up with uh, your different engineering teams with sensible uh, you know, deadlines discuss feasibility, challenging thoughts and ideas and, 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 and asking for evidence is amazing. And no one's saying, don't do that, right? But take the time to go through the process and define your deadlines based on, uh, based on an, a rigorous analysis of feasibility and all of that stuff, right? Very important point about toxic engineering cultures and toxic uh, environments, lack of diversity. If you join a company where the company is composed of pretty much the same profile, right? Uh, be it a gender profile, be it racial profile, be it whatever profile, right? This is a red flag that you need to be aware of. If you do not uh, see enough diversity within the team, if the team is not composed from different uh, cultures, different backgrounds, different, uh, you know, uh, um, um, 
countries, different whatever. And I'm not saying every company can achieve like a, a substantial amount of diversity, but I'm just saying like if there's no diversity whatsoever, this is a red flag for you. You need to start thinking about where you are working and how the diversity is going to affect the work environment. And I'm not saying that if a group of people lacks diversity that they this is a toxic environment. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that be weary of this type of environment because people with the same background, they tend to converge on the same ideals or same values or same principles or same same ways of working. And then if you are the if you come and you don't really converge with them on these same practices, you will be the one who's going to be cast out. And this is what's going to create the toxicity. You're going to feel like the intruder on this very homogeneous culture or homogeneous group. While if a group is already diverse by design, then people will not feel left out because they will be you know, part of this nice mix of, of different cultures, different backgrounds, different thoughts, different ideas, and they're not going to feel left out. Well, they could be uh, left out because, of course, you can be homogeneous on level of, of ideas and, and behavior can be toxic irrespective of where you're coming from. But I'm not saying if, if a group is more diverse, the probability of it being uh, more heterogeneous in terms of how they approach problem solving, how they approach communication is much higher than a group of people who are homogeneous. So again, think about diversity and, and what's, what's the effect of di lack of diversity on the toxic engineering cultures. This is my favorite because I have been guilty of doing this in previous uh, work. And whatever I'm talking about, I'm talking about from my also personal experience, what I've seen and what I have been guilty of. Uh, of course, I have participated in, 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 in bad practices uh, for lack of awareness or for peer pressure or for just following the norm in a certain company. And especially early on in my career, I have developed a lot of bad practices because I just didn't know that there is a better way to do things, right? This is what I've seen and this is what I've just, you know, tried to normalize and then just be part of. So this one I hate a lot. It's the hero syndrome. Be very afraid of engineering teams that rely on heroes. And heroes are people who think of themselves and that the company considers indispensable. They are the engineering gurus that pretty much know everything about everything in the code base. They are the only ones who understand the code base and no one can challenge any decision-making that they do or any of their thought process because First of all, the managers or the company is afraid of losing this guru because they are worried that no one else will understand the code base beside them. And at the same time, they, these gurus go on power trips quite often and they basically enforce their own thoughts and methodologies and opinions and ideas on everyone else. This is the hero syndrome. Avoid it like the plague. This is not a, an engineering culture you want to be part of. Uh, this is not an engineering culture you want to participate in because it's always going to revolve around that single or group of heroes, single person or a group of heroes uh, that are going to govern the whole uh, software development, software engineering, software design process. This is horrible. It leaves no room for people to be creative. It leaves no room for people to express their ideas. It leaves no room for change because an improvement because the heroes feed on the fact that the product or the, the system or the service or whatever it is 
uh, the product or the service or whatever it is uh, is is um, uh, let's say is not good because they are the only ones who can maintain this spaghetti of of, of a mess. Uh, if if these things change for the better, then their raison d'être or their their reason for existence disappears, and this is not this is against what they what they what they uh, have um, you know built up the reputation or whatever. Uh, or their practices for, and this is very important to be aware of. Uh, I've been guilty of being the hero in 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 certain uh, you know previous uh, jobs. Um, I'm not gonna lie; it's definitely a good feeling to feel like you're indispensable. It's a good feeling for people to approach you with problems that you only you can solve, uh, or at least I th you think that only you can solve. But overall, this is very detrimental for the groups of people working with you, especially the other engineers. They're going to feel they have less value. They're going to feel that they are less powerful. And basically, the outcome of their work is going to be way, way less than their potential. And this is a gigantic loss for companies. For everyone listening in, for the future managers, please, please do not feed into the hero culture. Of course, there are varying degrees of performance. Of course, there are people who are going to be more performant than others. There are going to be people who are going to uh, do better. There are going to be people who there are going to be people who are still going to grow. Make sure that you try to uh, get the best out of everyone and do not isolate and put the spotlight on your heroes do not create this hero syndrome in your in your engineering culture this is very very bad the derivative of the hero syndrome is creating what is called as swat teams or uh, black ops or just pick any um nomenclature or any naming from the from the military and just drop it on 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 this uh, this particular team and what i'm talking about is basically in an engineering culture you create a team of what you call senior people or senior engineers or a group of heroes and then this SWAT team is basically does different interventions where it can basically join a project that is not performing well for example or a project that is um suffering and then the SWAT team is supposed to fix the problem this is like really, really horrible. Um, extremely bad practice. It will demoralize the entire company. No good will come out of this. Maybe on the short term, the problems will be fixed. But on the long term, this will create frustration. It will create resentment. It will create a huge churn and your engineers leaving. Please do not feed into this. And please never, ever create a SWAT team amongst your uh, engineering uh, engineering groups. Uh, I see here a comment from uh, Mohammed uh, Baidun. He says, unfortunately, we lack proper training when it comes to agile and what it really means. There is a gap between the theory and its applicability. A lot of a lot, for example, think Scrum is a methodology of project management, even though it is just a framework or guideline. Thank you very much. It's very well said. This is not to forget the culture, especially in our region. I fully support this. Uh, unfortunately, I've been I've made the mistake of thinking that Scrum is, uh, you know, like a set of methodologies that you need to religiously adopt. Otherwise, it will fail. Uh, I've been victim of this also, uh, just because again, it's a lack of awareness. It's the not having the ability to see the other side or how things are done elsewhere. And then when you see how things are done 
elsewhere, it expands your horizon a little bit. And it did not really help to have a lot of the coaching, training, business culture around, you know, agile. And when we transformed agile from, you know, just a manifesto, a guideline, like a way of working, a high level definition and transformed it into this rigorous process. Um, yeah, that didn't really help the cause. Um, it could work for certain engineering cultures. I'm not saying everywhere you go, Scrum is bad. I'm just saying that maybe it's time to think otherwise. Let's move on. Uh, I think we talked enough about, about Scrum and Agile. Um, another form of unhealthy things you could spot in, in toxic engineering cultures are uh, unhealthy hierarchies. Um, there was a point where there was this idea started to perpetuate where we need to create flat structures because people did not really respond well to authority, specifically among software engineers. I'm guilty of that myself. I don't really work well with authority. I don't appreciate authority. I, I would never work in the military ever in my life. Uh, but I'm just saying, uh, flat structures, flat hierarchies started perpetuating. Uh, but the opposite end of the spectrum is where we have very uh, strict hierarchies. And the worst type of these hierarchies is, are the businesses where they consider that the business units, sales, be it sales or management or whatever, non-technical, is much more uh, superior than the engineering uh, units, right? Um, these are companies that think of uh, managers to be much more valuable than individual contributors. These are the organizations or companies that compensate managers at a much higher bracket, much higher band than they would compensate their engineers. It's the companies that uh, promote, uh, you know, that think that the next step from being an individual contributor as a, basically a software engineer is to go and take on a management role with HR responsibilities and then the sky is the limit for how far you can go from there. Of course, we build software products or services or whatever because we want to, we are in a capitalist uh, system, right? We want to build uh, businesses that function and succeed. We want to build businesses that thrive. The end goal of software engineering is to, of course, uh, capture all of the greatness of what we can achieve, build stuff that is useful for people, but it's also to build sustainable businesses. And from there, I can understand the emphasis on the business part, but that does not mean that the business governs everything. Um, in big tech, you will see engineering decisions being measured with equal weight to the business decisions, whereby it's not always about the bottom line. And what I'm trying to say is it's not always about the money. So if we are faced with a decision where we can make really gigantic gains, but it's catastrophically hurt the engineering um, aspect of it, and this could manifest in, for example, building up a lot of technical debt that will take us years to eliminate, but in, in, for, to make a short-term profit, these have to be evaluated and it's not it's it's very wrong for the business to win in this case uh in strong engineering environments the engineering uh group can provide sufficient evidence 
and and support and um, to deter from making such bad decisions. And in the companies that think of the business to be way more important than engineering and that the engineers will just clear out the technical debt magically, I don't know how, right? And we use the term technical debt for a reason. It's called debt because it has to be paid at some point. Uh, in the cultures where business is more important uh, and they dismiss the engineering warnings, uh, the, the costs of that will be really great uh, and they will be very detrimental. And you don't want to be part of that type of you know, environment. Uh, this is me talking from also from personal experience. A derivative from that is where is the companies who consider engineering a cost center. Please be aware of this, especially the, 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 the software engineers who are starting out their careers. If you join a company where engineering is a cost center, and that means that uh, the engineering work that is done is, um, is a cost to the business. It's not making money for the business. Um, you will not have a nice engineering experience. You'll always be treated as a peripheral uh, role. Uh, your work will always be peripheral to the uh, center, uh, you know, of gravity to to to, to the center of uh, uh, where the money is being made. I wish someone told me this early on in my career. Um, this would help you avoid a lot of pain. I'm not saying that um, you should not join roles or take on roles that are uh, in, in sort of peripheral. Um, there will always be a need for engineers in different places in, for example, industries where software engineering is not really the, the core aspect of the business. Um, these, some of these companies do really well um, because they build a nice culture. I'm not saying every, everywhere is horrible, but there are a good chunk of these companies where if engineering is a, is a, is a peripheral uh, function, yeah, you're not going to have a nice experience over there, and it's not going to be a, um, a good culture that fosters your own development, that fosters good engineering practices. It's always going to be about what will engineering do to support the core business, and how can we make more money from the core business, um, you know, and, and how can engineering support, support that. Um, if a company does not invest in training, educating, and in basically learning, learning and development of their engineering team, that will lead to also bad outcomes. Uh, I'm not saying this would lead to a toxic culture, but it's a sign that things might not be ideal. Uh, investing in training engineers is essential. Yes, I'm not saying that a startup of two people uh, should invest in thousands of dollars every year in training individuals. I understand that money might be tight, there's not a lot of runway, so on and so forth. But there is really no justification for a multi-million dollar business, right, or a multi-million dollar organization from providing uh, appropriate training to their engineers and to their software engineers uh, and, and engineering teams in general, of course the rest of the company as well. But I'm just, again, focusing on engineering because this is the topic of the day. Um, training is essential and training that should not come in the form of, yeah, you just go do some certification and uh, we, we will uh, pat you on the back for it. No, there should be dedicated budgets for L&D and there should be proper planning for how this L&D budget is going to be used. Uh, and there should be uh, conscious steps to utilize this L&D budget appropriately. Obviously, if people don't want to learn, 
that's their choice no matter how much you allocate in terms of you know lnd budgets learning and development budgets people are just not gonna not gonna learn what i'm trying to say is good companies have good training programs for their engineers and this will foster a better engineering culture overall because your software engineers will be much more equipped they will uh, they will build up more knowledge faster quicker so on and so forth um compensation ranges this is very important uh, a sign of uh, bad engineering cultures is also being compensated below the market rates this is a very edgy topic a lot of people don't want to talk about their compensation i want to talk about this topic and it's very very important it's very important for us engineers to also be transparent about our compensations and talk about these things so that we can provide each other with better outcomes and better uh, leverage in negotiations right you need to know your worth you are worth a lot in this hot market today every single company on this planet is transforming into a software company it's inevitable it's inevitable tech is governing the whole world today and i'm not saying this out of hubris or out of ego it's just the description of the reality every company needs software developers every company needs software engineers do not join companies that pay below the market rate period okay you you are worth a lot companies are making gigantic amounts of value and money out of you and you should be compensated fairly i'm not saying you should all become multimillionaire rich but you should be compensated at least not below the market rates it's very important this is a very bad sign if you are joining a company that negotiates to pay you less than the market rates do your research ask the people who are in the same position it's okay to talk about your compensation with your colleagues please do because then you will discover how good or bad you are compensated it's very important conversation to have i love github for this particular reason in the uh, in our uh, employee book we are not prevented from discussing our compensation with our colleagues so that's for a reason please make sure that you talk about your salaries with your colleagues it's not a taboo it should not be a taboo uh, do it because this guarantees better outcomes for everyone let go of this self-preservation you know mindset where yeah you don't talk about your salary because you're afraid of hurting others maybe you're making more you maybe you're making less and you just don't want to make the others feel uncomfortable what is better like <laughs> to make them feel uncomfortable for a little bit or for them to get proper compensation for their hard work right so please talk about all of these things and make sure you don't join uh you know companies that pay below the market rate you're not gonna have a good experience if they are cutting costs on your salaries they will definitely be cutting costs in all of the other aspects that will make you successful in your career and they will most likely not be investing in anything regarding your training or education so on and so forth another sign uh and i see here world dj is saying software development as a peripheral organ is indeed mostly bad but once again i ask myself how would automation spread out if not by starting as a peripheral organ wow nice <laughs> that's a nice uh, way of looking at it um of course i'm not trying to say that uh software engineering has to be at the core of every single business and every single thing there is also a bad movement that's spreading whereby we in tech think that you can solve all of the problems of the world by software that's not the case 
there are a lot of different uh, disciplines that are required. There are a lot of different disciplines that are much more important. There are a lot of different di disciplines that have a higher, deeper impact in so many different areas. Software development uh, is one of those disciplines that has a far reach, but that does not mean that we can solve every single problem in the world via software. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as, you know, uh, um, universal problem solvers just because uh, we are able to write a few lines of code that can do certain things sorry to be preachy i'm not in, i don't intend to be preachy i know no one wants to listen to that especially towards the end of the week uh but again i'm just sharing my perspective and my opinion i'm not trying to virtual signal at all uh each one of us has their different perspective on this matter uh but i also see this as a common trend um and i think a little bit of uh, awareness on this is is always um uh, good and in good faith um very important topic about toxic engineering cultures is high churn rate or high turnover rate which means that people who join the company leave very quickly or um, you have people leaving at a very high rate uh and it's 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 pretty common so uh, i've worked in companies where people would not last more than a year and a half two. Uh, they would just join for a year and probably if they had the chance or option to leave earlier, they would have done so, uh, but it probably would look bad on their resume. Excuse me, it would look bad on their resume. <laughs> so they stick around for at least a year and then they drop out or leave. Um, this is a, um, a red flag and a sign that things might not be great. Um, you should keep an eye on the churn rate and ask about it in your interview. I ask about it in my own interview. Uh, and every interview I do, if I'm applying somewhere, I ask about their churn rate. And if they're not able to give me a number or tell me about their churn rate and how many people are leaving in a certain period of time, that's also a bad indication. Uh, do not be desperate for the job. We are in a domain where we are highly in demand. You should be aware of this. I'm not trying to, you know promote a bad faith i'm not saying that i'm not saying companies are evil i'm not saying any of this i'm just trying to help you understand your worth and help you understand what is best for you ask about the churn rate if it is high that means people are not satisfied with their job that means there are a lot of bad things that might be happening uh, inside the company if one person leaves okay if two leave start asking questions if three four five leave and it becomes a trend that is repeating there must be something wrong that's happening inside it could be bad management it could be bad colleagues bad product bad, bad whatever ask about it know what you're getting into um i don't want to talk about toxic stuff and <laughs> the list really goes on uh i just want to share with you also what a healthy culture looks like and i'm going to do this in the second part uh, but there are a few points that i still want to mention um, that are very important lack of real seniors if you join a team fully composed of junior developers <laughs> that's a bad sign where are the seniors and why aren't there why aren't they there is it because the company doesn't want to invest in seniors or is, is it because the seniors know something that you don't and maybe they have left already so if you're joining a team fully of juniors think about it really well think about what you're getting into it's probably because of cost cutting purposes or cost cutting reasons uh, it's probably because uh, the seniors uh, discovered that the the product or the service or whatever is is 
designed in a very bad way and there is really no way that they could uh you know recoup this or fix it or make it better it's probably because of bad practices bad management and maybe it's because of everything i already listed above think very well if you join a team that has no senior engineers in it um lack of people who stayed at the company for more than two years and i also asked this in my interviews do you have people that are that have been in your company for more than two years and if so do you have an average figure for how long people stay at your company and if if the answer is no that means that the company is basically recycling individuals every couple of years that means that they really uh, thrive on people leaving and then new people coming in because new people coming in they might come with fresh ideas and that's also fine but that but if the whole company is operating this way that means there's really no longevity here and that means that it's not really a good place for you to stay for a extended period of time and it could be for any of the reasons i listed above maybe there's really no career path no career growth no room for growth whatsoever maybe it's because of bad management practices so on and so forth but again it's just something to be curious about and to ask about especially during your interview and if the answer is no people are not here ask why ask them why ask directly why are people leaving if they don't stay um, for more than two years and another red flag for me is if the company is composed of a lot of people who stayed more than six years in a certain company why are people staying there for a really long time <laughs> is it because they are too comfortable uh, that might not necessarily be an indication of a toxic culture, but that could be an indication that there might not necessarily be good challenges for you within that company. That could be that people just, you know, go in, they join the company and they just get comfortable <laughs> uh, staying there. And that's also fine. And it's also okay if you want to join a team like that, but just keep it in mind and ask about these things. It's important. Now, we talk about a favorite topic of mine, which is incident management, and how do we deal with an incident when it happens? An indication of a toxic engineering culture is finger pointing. It's basically when an incident happens, and incidents happen everywhere. It's inevitable. If you don't want to have any incidents, you don't write software. If you don't want to have security uh, uh, vulnerabilities exploited, plug off the internet, right? So uh, this, these are the fundamental rules. They, they cannot be changed. Uh, any product that you write will have bugs. Any product you deploy in a production environment, they will have incidents. There will be downtime. 100%, that's why you never see a service level agreement with 100% uptime. No one will promise you this because they would be paying money left, right, and center. Uh, you will see SLAs for 99.99, .99, and if you uh, calculate that across a year, that means you have a few hours maybe of downtime per year, or maybe even a few days if it's 99.9 .9 or something like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's something along these lines. Uh, you know, 99.9 .9 out of 365 days. So you can calculate how many hours of downtime that is. Um, point being, what I'm trying to say is there is no company in the world that does not have some level of downtime. And what happens when there is an incident and downtime, and after that incident and downtime happens, is very important toxic engineering cultures will be finger pointing they will be saying basim you deployed this to production you are responsible for this bad thing you did a bad job you're gonna be punished for it there's a difference between accountability and punishing people for problems problems are gonna happen 
it's normal. You should not be belittled for a problem. You should not feel like you are an idiot or that you are um, stupid or that you are inexperienced for causing an outage. Outages will always happen. Many senior engineers I know, and myself included, we have dropped tables uh, in, in production databases. We have taken websites down. We have done outages in so many different places. We cannot even imagine. We have introduced bugs some of them are still in systems we have worked on until today. What I'm trying to say is, with experience, you will have more awareness about the stuff you need to you know, think about. You start drafting playbooks for how you do deployment, so on and so forth. But outages are inevitable. And any engineering culture that points fingers and they blame individuals for specific outages, and then it becomes a stigma where like, every time they get reminded that you did this outage, and then you lose trust because of a certain problem this is a culture you want to avoid this is a culture you don't want to be part of this is not how post-mortems are done this is not how in this incident management is done uh, good incident management is done by evaluating as a team the situation uh, describing uh, with evidence exactly what happened having a very clear timeline of the incident and how it unfolded right uh, and at the end of the day, after doing this uh, analysis and understanding the root cause for the incident, it is also about drafting um, how we can avoid this in the future and what are the lessons learned and how can we document this so that future people and teams do not repeat these same mistakes. This is how a post-mortem, or the post-mortem is very bad uh, thing to say. This is how a post-incident, let's say, response uh, handles uh, the situation. And nowhere in any of these steps Will there be any finger pointing or blaming of individuals for these problems? We are all learning, and what's more important than incidents and the resolution time and whatnot is what did we learn from it and how much did we learn from it? It's very important. Um, if you join companies that have uh, extreme risk averse, they, everything they do, they want it to be risk free. They want to, they are paranoid. Oh man, I. I cannot even uh, begin to, I, I get the chills when I remember some of the encounters I had in my career with extremely paranoid people uh, you don't want to work with. Uh, there's a level between, there's a, let's say, a, a huge difference between being cautious, right? Cautious is fine. Cautious is normal. Questioning things is okay, but being paranoid and going out of the out of the line with this uh that's really bad so if you feel like your manager is paranoid about different things yeah that's that's a bad sign unfortunately lack of trust and heavy compartmentalization these are important as well if you're not trusted to do your job why the hell is this company paying you money for it's important for you to gain trust and to have trust and for the teams and managers to grant you the trust immediately as you start working, you need to be productive. That does not mean that if you join the bank, you should have the keys to the vault, <laughs> right? I'm not preaching uh, uh, bad practices. There are certain security measures that are sensible, that are important to protect you, to protect the company, to protect the group, to protect the assets of people. There are a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, regulated environments, regulated enterprises. I'm not preaching chaos, but within the boundaries that you are allowed you should have a sufficient amount of trust for you to operate uh you know productively if uh, you are not trusted as a developer as a software engineer 
there's a problem because you're building these systems that are gonna run in production. If they if they don't trust you with with you know the bare minimum to maybe even own your device or I don't know, um, you know, have access to certain systems that allow you to be productive, how are they trusting you with writing good code, right? Um, so again, keep this in mind. Um, think about it when you are working in a certain environment. Uh, and the last two. Uh, points or last point I want to mention in toxic cultures and how what are the manifestations of toxic cultures are lack of vision and the lack of strong leadership. Why does this uh, lead to a toxic culture? Because if the leadership team and the management team do not define a vision, what are they defining? Um, are they spending their time micromanaging people? Because that's not what man what leadership should do. The leadership team, CEOs, CTOs, high-level managers should state the problems so that everyone else goes and solves the, the problems. They should not be fixing the problems themselves, and they should be setting the long-term vision, the roadmap. Where are we heading? They should set the direction. They should not be at the steering wheel and steering the ship. That's not their job. They should not be at the rudder. They should not be anywhere else in the ship. They should be somewhere defining where we are heading in general and letting everyone, you know, work towards achieving that direction or objective or that, uh, you know, outcome. If your managers fail to define a vision, if they are fail to communicate a proper direction, that is a sign of uh, weak uh, leadership. And that is also a sign that um, a lot of bad practices will start manifesting in many forms. Um, again, micromanagement, it could be in the form of, uh, you know, um, uh, dealing with a lot of arbitrary deadlines because if no vision is set, anyone can, any middle manager can come in and say, okay, we're doing this and this and that. And nobody's there to, you know, put, make them accountable and whatnot. Uh, you could be uh, working on features that are not important or solutions that are not really relevant for your uh, uh, business objectives and business outcomes. I need a small sip of water because I've been talking for 45 minutes. I would love it if you have any questions. I really don't want these lives to be a monologue, but if I don't see questions, I'm just going to keep on going. Uh, I would love to have a conversation with you. Uh, so please feel free to drop your questions in the chat. I see everything on every platform. So you can drop them on YouTube. You can drop them on Facebook. You can drop them on LinkedIn. Uh, you can even drop them on Twitter. Uh, and I would love to take your questions and try to, you know, share with you my thoughts on all of these different topics. All right, awesome. Now, uh, let us jump to the second part of this live. And I think we have about 13 minutes left before we get to the top of the hour. I want to share with you what a healthy engineering culture would look like, right? And of course, you would say, but Basim, isn't a healthy engineering culture exactly the opposite of what you just described? Well, in a way, yes. Uh, but also the other end of the spectrum, the other extreme might not always necessarily be good. Uh, what I want to say is uh, about this is the following. A healthy engineering uh, culture is basically a company or an organization that uh, have, um, yes, I see here a great uh, question from Dean. Uh, 
uh, how to behave in this kind of toxic environments? Mm -hmm. Very good question. Uh, I would love to answer this. Um, my thoughts on this are as follows. If you can influence, raise awareness, discuss, some problems are solvable. That doesn't mean you have to uh, just take it in, absorb it, and not deal with the and, and avoid dealing with this. Uh, try to be confrontational. And confrontational, when I say that, I don't mean pick up a fight with your managers. I'm saying try to communicate these problems in a very clear, uh, objective, uh, neutral tone, right? Uh, share it with your on, in your one-on-ones with your with your managers. Communicate upwards. It's very important. People think that managers should read their minds and understand what they're going through on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's not necessarily the case. If you don't really communicate upwards, and not just you as an individual, but like as a group. So talk to your peers, share with, uh, share, see if they share the same experience as you. And if they do, direct that communication with your managers upwards. Let them be aware. Let them know that you are seeing these problems. Let them know about their bad behavior and gauge how they are responding. If they respond very negatively to this and they start threatening you or they don't really, they start becoming defensive, maybe it is your sign to leave, right? There are some battles that you can fight, but there are some battles that you just can't fight. And you cannot really spend all of your career fighting these battles sometimes you just have to make a judgment call and the best way for companies to learn is if they actually experience a high churn rate unfortunately that is the sad truth some companies some managers are so self-absorbed that they just will not acknowledge that they have a problem in their behavior and a lot of this is because a lot of people are uh, promoted to management positions without the appropriate training Management is not something that you just are born with. No, management is something that you have to learn. It's a skill that it's a it's a group of skills actually that you acquire, that you have to consciously practice, that you have to um, first know that these good practices exist, right? So again, behaving in these toxic environments is try to solve the problem, give your company the benefit of the doubt. Do not assume that you are in a toxic environment immediately just because some of these behaviors exist. Try to work on these behaviors with your managers, try to work with your uh, leadership team on solving these problems. And then if you really don't see any results, you always have the option to leave and look for something better. Um, Sorry, I'm 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 not sure how to pronounce the, your name, uh, Elayan. Elayan, uh, you're saying good luck for you, Basim. Thank you very much. Uh, how an engineer could define a clear career path? Uh, I'm talking on a personal level, not on a company level. Great. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not sure this is relevant for our discussion today, but I'm still gonna try to answer your question. Um, you can define a clear career path first of all by discussing it also with your manager at your work, right? Because your career path in a certain organization is not just what you want, it's a combination of what you want and what the company needs from you, right? At the end of the day, do not mistake organizations or companies for family or charity or anything of that sort. We are doing a business transaction. This is work, no matter what anyone wants to convince you otherwise. It's a business transaction. It still does not mean that you should be unhappy and unsatisfied. You should be satisfied and happy, and you should even build nice relationships and bonds with your team members and colleagues. But that does not mean that you become a family. So 
again, build your career with your manager. There are certain uh, ambitions that you might have, certain strategic places you want to be. You need to define whether you want to be an individual contributor or a software engineer for the rest of your life, or maybe you want to pursue a management track and become a manager. Maybe you want to pursue other directions, right? Maybe you want to do something else in the company. You want to join another team or another business unit or another you know, function entirely. Uh, talk about all of these things with your managers, explore the opportunities. This would be the first step. There is no career uh, plan or path that works across organizations. This is a myth. Uh, and it's not linear. It's not like you jump from one step to another, right? Think about, first of all, the biggest decision you need to make is do you want to stay as an engineer or do you want to pursue a management track? And you have to understand that the higher up you go in the, in the chain, the more experienced you are, the less opportunities you will have depending on the choices you make. Of course, for every uh, manager, you will have maybe 10 engineers working, right? For every upper manager, you will have 50 managers working under them. It really depends on how the structures are, but what I'm trying to say is that the funnel gets narrower and narrower as you go up and the opportunities become less. So again, you need to think about what you want as an individual and what you want as a person, what you want to do in the next one, two, three, four, five years. Define that and it's okay if that changes. It's totally okay. What I envision for myself when I am in my 30s is completely different than where I am today. I really did not have this in mind um uh, to be doing what i'm doing today uh and still i love it i enjoy it and i'm very happy and blessed to be uh doing what i am doing today well dj is saying that i have a feeling that toxic environments exist because of low expectation of the quality of overall product or maybe the output isn't worth the hassle uh, would toxic environment ever coexist with a successful complicated product hmm, interesting so yes uh, I think overgeneralization does not serve the purpose of the conversation uh, because overgeneralization is often wrong. Uh, there is no grand theme or grand rule that governs how all the organizations and enterprises operate. You could have a very bad negative engineering culture, but still there is a product that is being built that has a high market fit. And what that means is that there is a high demand for that particular product. And even though the underlying product is a bunch of spaghetti code with technical debt and it's horrible, the managers are bad, the engineering uh, teams are not satisfied, they are still producing, maybe at a slow cadence. But if there is sufficient demand for that product, it could be successful. It might not experience hyper growth. It might not uh, lead to uh, products existing for a long time because maybe some other product that can ship faster, that has a better experience, will come in and disrupt it. But there are still markets where there are horrible, horrible products. An example of that, core banking systems. If you've worked in fintech or in banking at all, you will realize that there are very horrible core banking systems. And it's very difficult to disrupt these types of um, you know, uh, companies that build these products. And if you go to these organizations and see how these products are built, I don't know if you're going to find uh, a lot of, uh, you know, gems and uh, super amazing uh, engineering cultures. Uh, again, I'm not generalizing. I'm just saying, keep that in mind. Uh, it's feasible to have a successful product with toxic engineering cultures. Look out for the signs of what a toxic culture looks like. And also, I'm going to talk about what a good culture will look like right now. So also keep those in mind. 
and try to aim for organizations that promote and uh, endorse this. First of all, strong leadership is, in my opinion, a very, very important. If you have a strong uh, leader at the top, uh, be it a, a man, a woman, whatever, uh, their gender is, gender is irrelevant. Strong leader has a good vision. They share with you, uh, you know, long-term thoughts about what the product or services would be they have a good position for where the company is going to be uh, like in four five six ten years maybe even they communicate clearly these uh, directions be it in uh, all company-wide meetings right having all company-wide meetings is a very nice way to have transparency where the leadership team will come in they will present whatever they were working on for the past i don't know month quarter whatever it is they will communicate the visions, the ideas. They will set the direction. They will set the tone of work for the upcoming few weeks and months. If you don't hear from your leadership team at all, yeah, that's, uh, that's also a bad, uh, not necessarily a very good sign, right? So strong leadership that is able to clearly communicate the goals and objectives for the entire organization and company. Next thing is your direct manager, cares about you your managers they uh need to care about you as an individual also as a contributor and the role of that manager is not to come in and dictate what you do the role of a good manager is to come in and eliminate the obstacles from your path so that you can do the best work that you will uh, that you will do in your life that is the purpose of management it is to eliminate obstacles from your path so that you are productive as much as possible. It's not for them to come in and say, this is how you need to do things, right? Healthy engineering cultures, they will promote autonomy. They will promote your creativity. They will come in and eliminate uh, the roadblocks from your way and allow you to be as creative as possible. That does not mean that you're going to be the hero again right we do not want to fall in that anti-pattern but that means that you are uh, work together towards sorry i had a small interruption i think it was my internet connection uh i hope it wasn't too long but anyway i was saying a good manager is a manager that cares also about your growth as an individual they will uh, find opportunities for you to shine they will celebrate your achievements to the wider team they will find uh, the the areas that uh, will put the spotlight on you if you so want it they will help you get promoted uh, they will help you grow. They will help you achieve uh, uh, more. They will give you the opportunities to build yourself. They will give you the opportunities to grow on a personal level, also on a uh, you know functional engineering uh, level. They will give you the area and space to make mistakes. It's very important. And they will not blame you for these mistakes, but they will work with you to understand the problems and to avoid try to avoid at least the problems down the line and for uh, for you to learn the appropriate lessons out of the mistakes when they occur not if they occur they will always occur it's a matter of when uh, a good manager also will be aware of how much effort you're putting in and whether you are going in the direction of a burnout um, 
it's very important that uh, uh, you don't burn out because a burnout is very, 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 very bad. People don't understand what a burnout is until they experience it. And when they, when they experience a burnout, they will regret it. I have experienced a burnout because of many reasons. One of them is me being stubborn on you know, being overproductive. But at the same time, I was under a lot of pressure at work. We had a very crazy project, crazy deadlines, horrible engineering practices. A lot of very bad things were happening and it led to me burning out. I had to stop coding for two years. Mentally, I was not able to open my, my laptop, put on a terminal anymore. It's that bad, right? A burnout is not just about being tired. A burnout is basically being feeling anxiety and being disgusted from even looking at what caused your burnout, right? It's very important. Some people might never recover from a burnout. So please be aware of this. Burnouts are real. It's not about being weak. Uh, burnout can happen to pretty much anyone. And there is no one that is strong enough to avoid a burnout. It's impossible. You need to be aware. You need to take the time to relax. You need to take the time to switch off. You need to take the time to, uh, you know, recharge and start again. A good manager will uh, basically uh, help you avoid, uh, 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 will help you avoid uh, a burnout. Uh, it's very, very, very important. Uh, a good manager is also um, not just a good manager, a good engineering culture overall uh, fosters uh, kindness. This is something I love, I love, I love about GitHub. It's basically, we promote a lot the concept of being kind over anything else. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It does not matter how, uh, how much achievement you have. It doesn't uh, really matter how um, successful you are. If you are not kind, all of this uh, really fades away, right? Being kind is essential. We all have struggles in our lives. We all have uh, problems in our personal lives. We all have uh, responsibilities. We all have different stories, different backgrounds. We all come from different parts of the world. And it's uh, being smart, there are plenty of smart people. And whenever you work in companies like GitHub, you will realize that there are a lot of smart people around you, a lot, because you know they can, they can pretty much afford to hire whoever they want. So you will see that there are a lot of amazing, brilliant, overachieving individuals. Uh, but kindness is something that you have to practice, right? It's something that you have to be conscious about of, uh, sorry, not about conscious of, and that you need to uh, apply in your day-to-day -day life. A healthy engineering culture is an engineering culture that applies and practices kindness, uh, be it in code reviews, be it in just, you know, how you communicate and how you set the tone and how you converse and how and you being respectful of everyone else's time and you being, um, you know, thoughtful of, um, of people and, and their, uh, what they're going through. Uh, and uh, kindness is, is, is a very good indication of a healthy culture overall. Uh, I see here a comment in Arabic from Yusuf. I'm going to try to translate. Uh, and I'm very happy that you were able to make it, make it as well. Um, all right. So you're saying, Yusuf, that you did not really work in the field. Um, what are the common problems or mistakes that new people uh, make when they join uh, a new job in this field that you should uh, think about and 
Uh, okay, good. I understand the question. So what are the common problems or mistakes that new beginners in this field uh, make uh, in general? Um, I would say biting more than you could chew. And when I say that, it's basically meaning a lot of people, myself included, join their field and they are hungry and anxious to do a lot more complicated stuff. Uh, they, we want to, you know, shine. We want to show that we are able to do things. We want to take on more challenges, bigger challenges. And often that leads to creating an incident very early on in your career. And it's fine because it's a good learning exercise, but that could lead to, you know, it depends on the company culture and whatnot, but that could lead to a, um, a negative outcome for you. So even though you might be hungry, be patient as well. Take your time, learn from others, try to understand, build up experiences gradually. It's okay to make mistakes, but don't rush into, you know, wanting to do everything from the, from the first day. Uh, ease into it. Take your time. It's okay. You can learn uh, gradually. Ask your seniors. Try to learn from them. Uh, a lot of the juniors are very hungry to do things themselves uh, very early, and that's okay. But still, the seniors have been in the field for a much longer time. That does not mean that they know everything. That's not true. And it doesn't mean that you need to idolize them. And that does not mean that they are not wrong. Right? But it also means that they might know something that you might not. So before you immediately start you know arguing and things like that try to understand what they are trying to tell you try to understand where they are coming from try to be in their shoes try to absorb their perspective and as you become more and more senior you will understand that sometimes people don't know how to communicate certain things and that you have to be aware of how people communicate and then you develop this nice skill of being able to you know sort of extract the words out of people when you start being more empathetic, when you put yourself in their shoes, when you when you build up the experiences over time. And um, yeah, the more projects you build, the more you are involved, the more experience you will have, the more you will be able to anticipate problems before they happen. You're still going to have problems because there are many things that you will not be aware of. Uh, but my main advice is, again, just try to be patient, ease into it, learn from others. Uh, put your ego in a box and leave it somewhere else. Your ego has no room in the workplace, especially when you are starting out your career. Uh, Michael signs. Hello. And I'm very happy that you're able to join Michael. And I really miss working, working with you. Michael is a colleague of mine. Uh, he's saying healthy engineering has an appreciation for diversity and thought 100% different ideas shine at different times, but not knowing about a great idea because it's not suggested is a missed opportunity. And I could not agree more. You are 100% right. I touched upon the point of diversity early on in this session where we talked about a lack of diversity being a red flag if you join a, a, a an organization and um, because homogeneity mean, does not necessarily mean like what we look like, but it can also mean you know being homogeneous in how we think and how we approach problem solving. Uh, diversity is 100% um, um, a, a catalyst of uh, positive change and a lot of creative change. It's very important to foster these in your organizations and allow everyone to be comfortable sharing their thoughts and ideas. Defense, def being defensive all the time has no room in healthy engineering environments. Um, I want to also share with you some uh, good stuff that I learned, uh, you know, across my career, I've definitely joined teams and companies that did 
many things really well. Um, and I want to say um, beyond growth, beyond you know your direct relationship with your managers, so on and so forth, uh, a healthy engineering culture is basically being able to build bonds with your colleagues, being able to just be yourself, right? Of course, that does not mean that you're just gonna go crazy on the on the uh, on the company retreats or company parties and you know just do all of the the crazy stuff uh but that also means that being genuine being honest being you having the capacity to be yourself and not just put on a mask when you go to work uh helps uh you know engineering cultures be more um more natural easier to work in and just you know be nice uh, nice environments overall uh, i talked a lot about kindness um and uh yeah um lack of gossiping uh that's also important in healthy environments gossiping is fine it's always gonna happen it's okay to talk to people you know about different experiences your perspectives about the work environment but it becomes really horrible when people start talking negatively about others and you don't really want to participate in that type of gossiping because it really does not lead to a healthy work environment. Try to stay positive, try to you know speak only good things about colleagues even if you know that your colleagues are doing something wrong or that they're not necessarily, you know, performing up to the level or whatever it is gossiping is really horrible and it will just have a very negative impact overall and it's just not gonna make you the person who's talking about your colleagues in that manner you know look in a good way and it's gonna make others avoid you because if you're gossiping about another person with them then you're probably gossiping about them as well to other people right so again try to stay positive try to only say positive things about others try to uh, always give others the benefit of the doubt People will not always perform up to the level all the time and up to your expectations. People will have will have will go through trends. They will have different problems in their life. Maybe they they have kids. Maybe they have they are going under a lot of pressure. Maybe they're sick and they don't want to talk about it. There are many many reasons. So try to be empathetic and try to uh, you know trust your colleagues and avoid gossiping. It's fun, I know, sometimes, but just don't do it in bad faith. And uh, it's okay to blow off steam. It's okay to share experiences. But talking about other people in a very negative way is, is really, really horrible. And I've seen this uh, a lot in companies. It's, it spreads like wildfire. And toxicity can start with one person, and it could spread to the whole organization. Uh, when do you know it's time to seek a new job in another company and leave the current one? That's a very good question, Ahmad. And I have a few rules of thumb that I practice myself. So first of all, uh, one very important rule of thumb for me, and this is a rule of pinky, but again, because I'm going to go this way. <laughs> so first one is um, when I stop learning. So when I stop having new challenges, when I stop learning, when I stop growing, not necessarily just technically, right? You could grow in so many different things. You could grow in people management. You could grow in communication style. You could grow in consultative style and advisory. It's, software engineering is a field beyond just writing code and solving technical problems. There are a lot of things that go into it. So if you stop growing on any of these levels, this is a sign that it's probably time to look for a challenge elsewhere. It's if you are in part of a good big company, it's okay to look for challenges within the company. And that's totally fine. So consider that as a first option. Uh, the second thing is, if the uh, toxicity of the environment really grows beyond my control and I cannot know, I can no longer influence it, and maybe even the company is going in a direction that does not really match my values or it does not really match my 
principles uh that's probably also a time for me to go and uh, go elsewhere because obviously no matter how much i love my company no matter how much i love the people that i work with if the company is going in a direction that does not work well for me it's probably time to go because i hardly believe that i can change the direction of an entire company right a third thing is uh, if there's a high churn rate across the organization um overall if many people are leaving this is an indication that there are things really bad that are happening it's probably time to explore something else and especially when your management your colleagues whoever don't want to listen to the problems and they don't want to address them there's a very common uh, pattern that happens across organizations which i call the shock absorber managers these are the managers that are very good at listening but they are horrible at acting on what they just listened to <laughs> and this is common uh, this is not uh, this happens everywhere uh, managers will listen to you they will uh, acknowledge the problems so on and so forth but they are powerless and they cannot really impact change then it's really probably a good time also to leave uh, because if things are not going to change for the better then maybe by leaving this could introduce or be the catalyst for change right um do not again as i mentioned do not be desperate um if you are desperate you will be stuck unfortunately uh, try to always work on your skills try to always improve try to always to get yourself to the next level and if you continuously do that uh, and if you continuously invest in yourself and grow the options for you will be practically limitless and um yeah i think we are about 13 minutes over time uh, we are getting closer to the weekend. I want to wrap up the conversation uh, here. I think I talked a lot today and I love the questions that came in and the interactions and the comments and the vibes. Uh, it's always amazing uh, having a lot of awesome people join these uh, lives and that's exactly why I'm doing it because uh, making videos is nice and I will probably continue doing those but I definitely want to engage with you, I want to build a nicer community, I want to tackle the things that are relevant and important for you. Uh, I don't want to preach, I just want to share my experiences and maybe even learn from some of your experiences, right? Um, this has been really fun. I'm really enjoying these episodes. I'm definitely going to schedule another live. I'm not sure about next week, maybe the week after that, uh, because I want to prepare a nice topic. I think I want to talk about what it does it mean to be a senior software engineer? What does seniority actually mean? What does it mean to be a staff engineer? Um, what what are the responsibilities that a senior engineer knows, needs to know? Uh, how do we, you know, move up the ladder? How do we become a senior engineer? And how do we progress in this career? Uh, and how do we evolve? Um, you probably are well aware this field is my passion. I love it. I love everything that happens into it. And I love uh, communicating with all of you. Thank you very much, everyone, for, uh, for watching this session um as usual my name is basim and oh i see a question from uh from marwa oh it's not a question it's actually a comment she says i totally agree on what you said about talking to your managers on what you are experiencing i did that recently and the results are amazing to my surprise yes please do today i was talking to a friend of mine uh, about his experience with his you know his, his engineers and he's, he's managing them and he's been a little bit frustrated because the, his engineers are surprising him sometimes with with stuff and they don't really talk to him and 
like every time they talk it feels like everything is great uh, but then surprise they come with something that's really bad if you talk to your managers they will listen they will help you navigate these problems and if they can't do it the really good ones will tell you that they can't do anything about this but they will try to you know find ways to influence uh to influence certain things and maybe it's just a temporary thing that would fade away or maybe they could really make a change to make you more comfortable and satisfied in your job i want to wrap up right now thank you very much marwa for your comment and thank you very much everyone for watching as usual my name is basim and this has been glitch i want to wish you a great rest of the week a fantastic weekend and i will see you next time take care